Well, I'm just ready to have fun with my friends. And we're ready to have fun with you, Steph. <laughs> and I'm ready to turn off this... my air conditioning unit, which I have not done yet. <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. How dare you be comfortable so and loud. <laughs> it's going Happy to summer, fun. everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hot as balls. Did you hear the powering yeah. down of all things cool in this room? Because I'm just... I didn't because you're still there. I actually didn't. You didn't hear it? I know. Nope. My... And I also, I just called you cool. I hope that came across. You know, I... <laughs> <laughs> it was lost on air-conditioned ears. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> you know, take it. <laughs> I'm taking it all. I'm taking it all these good, days. Good, Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Great. How are we? Yep. How are yep. we doing? Feeling... I think we're Ready. I think we're doing great. Um, I will go ahead and remind everybody that this is All the YAs, a podcast about young adult fiction for adults both young and older. Uh, I'm Sydney. I'm Sam, and I definitely needed the reminder. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Steph. Still Steph. And just, we just me are here. happy to be here today with our friends. Yes, yes, yes. And I'd like to introduce my friends, um, Sydney and. Um, Sam and um <laughs> Listen, we're here. Yeah. This book has happened. It's happening. I think we're all here happening with it. So Yeah. Ruin and Rising. Ruin and Rising. I promised Ruin and that I would memorize the title before we got on the horn today. <laughs> oh, I didn't let you showcase your memory. Rude. I'm sorry. I know. I had one thing to say today and you've done it. I took it. Just I took it. Stole it. Yeah. <laughs> Something tells me there will be ample opportunities for the name of the book to be Ruin Rising. Yep. Ruin and Rising. There she goes. She got, she got it. Also, yay. Should it really be the title? Anyway, yes. Sam. Oh. You are leading our discussion today, and I'm so excited wow. for your question. I feel and your like hunting. that's already. I, there should be a Steph rant corner that's just like a permanent fixture. <laughs> Where we come in and, and you just, yeah, you get like five minutes or less to just go for it. Um, yeah, no, I'm very excited. Yeah. Rant corner. Very, very excited for today. Ruin and Rising. Um, I nice. have a couple of questions for you guys. Yeah. Um, sure. And I, I want the rant corner. I, I want all the things. Um, I So I had asked you before we, we got on the recording... I had warned you, I suppose, um, that I was going to mm -hmm. ask you about your highs and lows, um, either for Ruin and Rising as a discrete novel or mm -hmm. for the trilogy as a whole. So um, I, that's out there for us on the table. Um, I mm -hmm. also am going to ask you some targeted questions, Sydney. I'm going to oh. ask you about how you yeah. see beauty and power and some of the things that you've been mulling over um mm. playing out in this book i was like that's what? earlier today i was like i'm not no. gonna talk about that <laughs> i'm gonna make you talk about it um uh, and steph i'm gonna ask you about where you're at with alina as a protagonist what? um sure <laughs> if you want to know but mostly i just I I mostly i want to know i think we okay. can do some so, summaries yeah um, and then we'll hit the highs and lows. So this is a book that on 
Um, Broad Strokes looks a lot like previous, uh, the previous novels. So, um, it opens... How generous it yeah, is. <laughs> it, 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 there's a, it's, um, what's a diplomatic way of putting it? It's familiar. Um, mm. we open mm. with Alina captured. She is in mm. the White Chapel. She has been mm-hmm. saved slash captured by the Apparat, and she is being essentially held hostage um, he has her so deep underground in, like, what is probably my nightmare that she is not able to summon yeah. light. Um, and so there's a great escape, Mal and Zoya, and a few other, um, Nadia, Adric, a few of her other uh, colleagues. Uh, they bust her out and they escape and they are, again, captured. Um, Nikolai emerges, he saves them. We are once again back in the, the court um, Nikolai's court this time up in the mountains. He's got some ships that fly. They are preparing for battle when once again they are attacked um, by the Darkling and the Nichevoya. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of attacks happening here. Nikolai is turned yep. into a bird shadow monster. <laughs> yeah. I'm imagining kind of like the Swan Prince, Sorry. the Swan Princess uh, villain, yeah, you know, with yeah, the, yeah. The, the bird wings and the claws and the cawing. Um, yeah. Bagra sacrifices herself to save them, um, and, uh, has revealed prior to that that she is actually the daughter of Moritzova, which I would love to talk about yeah. Moritzova as a figure. Yeah. Um, she mm-hmm. sacrifices herself, saves them, they run off, and, uh, eventually we have, uh, Alina and her ragtag band looking for the Firebird. They find the Firebird. I was skeptical about how this was going to play out because the novels have been Mm -hmm. tracking Russian, vaguely Russian iconography, and the Firebird is, like, the symbol of Russia, so I wasn't quite sure how they were going to murder Mm. the symbol of their country. They don't have to. (laughs) It turns out in... um, You just have to murder. You just have to kill it. Uh, Turns out in a twist that I hate and... Maybe you hate too. Mal is the yeah. third amplifier. Yeah. Um, you just have to murder your loved ones. You just gotta murder him. He is the descendant of Moritzova. Moritzova's second, uh, I can't pronounce the word. Can someone hit the word for me? Oskazatsia. Thank you. Oskazatsia, child. And he has been uh, the third amplifier this whole time. So they're gunning for the Darkling. He's got allegedly children. He's going to attack West Ravka. Uh, and in a dramatic... The alleged children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the alleged children. Turns out there are no children. He's going for Ravka. They're in the fold. Um, and Alina has to sacrifice Mal in order to complete the trilogy or the trio of the amplifiers. And in a surprising twist, she is shor- oh. shorn of her powers. Um, and... Uh, they are blasted out to the uh, Otskazatskia. One day I'll get it. Um, it's a great, it's yep. a good word. Uh, who are helping her fight? And she stabs the Darkling mm-hmm. like she stabbed Mal. Um, and sheathed in darkness. Yes, he dies. I want to talk about the death. And mm. um, in the aftermath, Alina has her group tell the world that she, in fact, has died. That she's martyred, and mm-hmm. she and Mal live out a um, anonymous, happy. happy life as the uh, <laughs> people who run a school. 
for orphan children. Yep. She has no yep. powers, but she has Mal and uh, yep. presumably a happy end to her. Yeah. Life as the sun. Live and die together. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Uh, yes, Steph. <laughs> first question. <laughs> Is there actually a worm in the tunnels of the White Cathedral? I sure hope so. I don't know that that's, yeah, I don't know that that's ever ever determined. Why did we start with something like that? Don't we end with that too? Never mentioned again. The worm. I think, isn't that what she's, the story she's telling the orphans at the, I don't know. Is that how, is that why we're in first person? Like the whole time? Yeah. Are you about to Was blow she my mind? Story? <laughs> oh. I'm just, I, I finished this like 30 minutes ago. Now I'm, I'm processing with you. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So no worm. So there's no worm. Maybe this is all a retelling to kids. I like that. That's fun. I do like that actually. That's kind of cool. That, that makes Bardugo. the sex dreams a we little need weird though. I mean, get after <laughs> it, right? They gotta learn sometime. <laughs> I do not condone. Sex dreams are this. natural. If there is an actual man coming though to your room at night that you have not invited, that's right. Tell this someone. is all a cautionary tale. Tell someone. Yeah. Tell someone. Which, yeah, you know, that's another struggle I have with her. This whole book. Tell someone. Oh, Nikolai Birdman is stalking you. Tell someone. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have many thoughts. Uh, maybe <laughs> guiding guiding through thoughts would be helpful because otherwise True I'll be lines. a shotgun Tell here. someone. Okay, yeah. so uh, maybe, yeah. Sydney, you could start us off with your highs and lows and then, Steph, you can sh- yes. shotgun us. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Um, so... A highlight for me, or a high for me, Anytime Alina thinks she's lost her power and then uses it or right. So at the, you know, in the Mm. white cathedral, when like they blast open, you know, part of the chamber Mm. and she's Mm -hmm. able to summon again, that's very exciting for me when at the end of book two, when she takes down the darkling and there, what I maintain is a makeout scene, but possibly (laughs) just a kiss scene and then, you know, struggle with the native boy. Uh, Yes. So, so any, and then, you know, right, it's just like any, anything like that where she's really, um, where she's regaining power that she'd lost or she's tapping into new power that she is realizing she has, I find very exciting. So that would be Mm. kind of a high for me. Um, Lows, I took in a couple (laughs) of different ways. So low that actually is really sad. Um... So, Steph, you laughed at this, but I actually find Nikolai's transformation into the bird monster, like, that really upsets me. Oh, it me is. And makes very, me very. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's very, I think it's very effective or it's very moving. It's very sad. Yes. That really upsets me. Bagra's sacrifice doesn't hmm. upset me in the same way, although it's still really sad to see that character go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, yeah, when, when the Darkling... Um, the, the, the one with Nikolai kind of like punches differently and I'm mm. not sure why, maybe just because it comes first, but when the Darkling destroys um, Alina's hometown mm-hmm. and then shows it to her in that vision, that's obviously extremely upsetting. Um, Lowe's, 
in terms of things that I am not a huge fan of. Punch it, Sydney. Would be, <laughs> yes. So <laughs> let me just say, with all due respect to Lee Bardugo and this book, it is absurd <laughs> that they are like flying in a ship and all of a sudden David says, you can make us invisible. Oh, yeah. Just do it. Yep. And then she just does it. We <laughs> how, me, how much time did she spend learning how to bend light with discs? Yeah. Practicing that, which is arguably simpler. Like, bouncing light off of a disc. Like, any child can do that with, like, a magnifying glass, <laughs> you know, and what have you, right? I yep. am here for Savage Sydney. I don't know what's happening, yes. but yes. Um... <laughs> Then then the other thing is I don't like Mal as a firebird at all. I'm not even sure that I can articulate why, but I do not like Mal as the firebird. And I actually really do not like, although I know the author defends this pretty staunchly, I do not like um, just the ending kind of in general that Alina loses her powers. Mm. Um, because this is the end of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, no. <laughs> yep, yep. So at the end of Buffy the Vampire, but, but with a twist. So at the end of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's kind of a similar situation. Because Steph, you have not seen Buffy. I right? haven't. I couldn't get past yeah. Clown Boy. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yes. So at the end of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's a similar kind of group battle scene. And basically what happens is like any, any you know, young woman who would potentially be a slayer is activated as a slayer. Um, so there are all these countless slayers who are present to, you know, destroy monsters and they end up slay. winning. Okay. To just slay. Yeah. But then Buffy, Buffy is still a slayer. So she remains a slayer. So the thing, I actually don't mind the ending in Buffy the Vampire Slayer because it alleviates a tension that has run throughout the whole show, which is that on the one hand, you know, Buffy like embraces this gift and is willing, you know, kind of to step up to the plate as a slayer. On the other hand, it's of course, extremely isolating. She is truly with an exception with a notable exception, you know, she's one of a kind, um, you know, all of this falls on her. So at the end, when she retains her abilities, but others can share in them, it's like, Look, now she's not alone, but she can still go kick ass if she wants to. Also, and she's supposed to this die, is, right? Like, in order for the next layer to be activated, Buffy, right. Buffy has to exactly. die. Uh, and so we've sort of, mm-hmm. we get around that, which I liked. And, and she, she gets, gets to live. live. Hooray. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hooray! Um, that, yes, thank you, Sam, for that very, very important reminder. Um, whereas at the end of this, Alina loses her powers entirely Mm -hmm. so so first of all i just i think it's a little bit too repetitive and i and i guess i like repetitive lee bardugo has like derivative of buffy oh got it yes i think it's a little bit too derivative um it it felt a a little bit too familiar it's familiar generous (laughs) yes yes Felt a little yeah. too familiar. And and Lee Bardugo has said in one of the, I think it's maybe mm. the interviews in the mm-hmm. first book, in the back of the book, that Buffy the Vampire Slayer is like one of her uh-huh. favorite shows. Uh, um, interesting. So it's also not like, mm. I don't a believe that it's the case that she, exactly, right? And, and of course, we take inspiration, right, from our favorite shows, our favorite mm-hmm. books, so on and so forth. That's not a problem. But it feels too familiar for me. And I... I just dislike that Alina ends up completely stripped of her power because 
everything that we have been interested in, right, during the last two books, which is her coming to terms with this power, what it means for her, what it means for her relationship with Mal, you know, the fact that she finally owns this yes. about herself. <clears throat> it's all for nothing. I also hate to say it, it's so many pages invested <laughs> in these thoughts. It's just par- this book has paragraphs just thinking through these things. And at the end, right. it's just a, okay, we're good. Don't have to worry about it. Yeah, ah, that is the most really interesting quickly. part. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And she's like, well, yeah. here's life. Mm. This is great. Mm-hmm. And then no more saint. Mm-hmm. Even though, yeah, right. what you're saying. I, I resonate with that deeply. Mm. I was very frustrated yeah. with that. And, you know, in the back of the, like, so in the interview in the back of the book, Bardugo says, you know, well, I have been, I've been setting this up to the extent that I have reminded the reader, right, you know, what is infinite, the universe and the greed of men. And so she sees that as the way that she's been setting this up, like Alina can't be greedy for the three amplifiers and come out of this unscathed. So I under I understand that. Um, But then she also says that she really wants us to feel the grief that Alina experiences because of the fact that she has lost this power. Um, and, and, and you see that at the end, you know, right? She's like running her fingers. It talks about like, you know, sometimes she would run her fingers through the sunlight and, and kind of, you know, be sad and things like that. Hmm. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, just all the, like, basically it makes, ev- it makes pretty much everything that we've been interested in null and void. Yeah. Right? Because she just, you know, she becomes someone who... You know, you would yep. you would meet and never think that they had any ability to kind of you know do anything out of the ordinary. Yep. And so all the things that she grapples with and all the ways that she kind of grows or changes or comes to know herself. Yep. She was worried about living forever and Mal dying first. That's fixed. We'll die together. Fun, fun, fun. Yep. She's worried about <laughs> being in a position of power, being kind of a puppet for either the apparat and or Nikolai, who has wanted to marry her this whole time. <laughs> For obvious state reasons, but also let's have a little flirtation, I guess, and a, and a <laughs> fucking ring that's big and you could punch someone with. That did come up in the book. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. we've thought about this. Yes. So she's no longer a puppet. She's no longer immortal. Perfect. So the hundreds of words we spent on thinking through these issues are moot. Yeah. And now that Mal is not, like, you know, Mal has, like, given up his firebird yeah. life, basically. We can, we'll talk about that more, I'm sure. Um, Mal has given up his Amazing. life qua firebird. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, great, we fit together perfectly now because we're both just, like, your average Joes, you know. But then, all, and then, like, the only per- other person who knows, like, what I've been through. So all of that stuff of, like, yeah, all the tension you know of their relationship and trying to figure out you know what they mean together mean to each other through all of this and how they might be together and if they could and why they couldn't and all these things it's like just completely and the counting down the counting down that happened months out of like three more days until i have to kill my mal you're just like okay Ah! (laughs) yeah also had he never touched her wrist before also do you just have to touch the wrist for an amplifier to work we have a collar situation 
It seems like the wrist. I th- it does seem like the wrist because of the chains factor, right? The Saint Ilya Moritzova okay, chains. I helpful. think that's. I think that's the imagery, mm-hmm. right? Because otherwise, like when they have sex, like what would that? You know, right? Like if, if <laughs> no touching if it above the waist. The <laughs> if it doesn't need to be just the wrist. Okay. Steph. I'm trying so hard to be <laughs> balanced. Right. It's not really happening today. <laughs> what so did you sorry. say before the recording? Warning may contain thoughts. <laughs> yes. Warning yes. may contain thoughts. Yes. Steph, g- give us your highs and your lows. <laughs> oh, dear. This might be a bit rambling. But high is definitely the end of book one. We talked about that a lot. Mm. But I really did enjoy the ambiguity of that yeah, choice mm-hmm. really liked mm-hmm. that. I don't think we really get anything like that the rest of the trilogy, mm-hmm. unfortunately, mm-hmm. because as we said during book two, all of her interesting choices were kind of boiled down to she was bitten mm-hmm. by Nichiboya. Right. Did I say that correctly? Uh, we'll just roll with it. Close. I can't remember Nichiboya. if it's Nikkei Boya. I think I said it was Nikkei and then just like completely was wrong. So why? Let's just work. The Nikkis. Yeah. The, Nikkis. the Shadow Monsters. <laughs> the Shadow Monsters. The Shadow Monsters. Yeah. There we yeah. go. It was all boiled down to being infected by the Shadow Monsters. The And um, the third book, the only ambiguity we get is really near the end, I think. She has moments. Okay, the lows for me with Alina, this sounds awful, are when she thinks. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think she's she's not thinking they're like all of the motions and the gestures and the rhetoric implies thought but we're just not really getting nuance and I'm being very harsh because I'm frustrated I suppose with Alina always which maybe isn't fair because this is after all a young adult who's been thrust into very difficult traumatic situations and suddenly has the entire world at in her palms. Mm. But mm-hmm. anytime she has a, oh no, I'm sad and small. I'm just like, girl, it's been months. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta dig in for something here. <laughs> because if the world does indeed depend on you and your friends, you gotta dig. Come on. So those, th- there are a lot of lows with that. Um, also, Nikolai, I hate to say, hmm. is a low for Interesting. me. Interesting. Just, I, I think I might have mentioned this in some way in the previous episodes for Siege and Storm. Stor- Storm and Siege? S&S. Siege and Storm. That one. Um, Nikolai was kind of a stand-in for the Darkling for me of having flirtation that is not laced with darkness as much which is fun. He turned out to be kind of the comedic element. And in this book, he just returns to form very quickly and is just there to be flirtatious. And I think the lowest part for me about his character was actually when the Darkling um, inserted Shadow Monster into him. Hmm. Because it seemed like an easy out for Alina again. 
where suddenly Nikolai hmm. was removed from whatever I don't know what shape we're on at this point. Trapezoid, love trapezoid, <laughs> love rhombus. I don't know. A love rhombus. Triangle, pyramid, a love rhombus. <laughs> it's a romp right. through the love rhombus. Um, then he's just removed and extracted. Um, and whenever he comes to visit, I wanted to be like, hi, have we learned nothing? <laughs> ah, tell someone this is very bad. <laughs> he could mm. be an informant. And of course, he doesn't turn out to be, which is very fortunate for Alina. But what the fuck, dude? This shadow monster who's very obviously infected by the entity of the Darkling is following you and your party for miles. And you don't right. think to bring it up as, huh, maybe he's accidentally, maybe not on purpose, maybe he's accidentally sending information back to the Darkling. Let's discuss. No, we don't get that. We just get her screaming in the forest and fucking hell. So those, those are some of my tidbits. So, Steph, do you find it sad what happens to Nikolai or only frustrating because it gives Alina an easy out? I think it is. This sounds awful. It's technically sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more frustrated, but I did find the actual usurping moment to be sad. Like, when he's actually putting shadows in him, I'm like, oh, no, there he goes. Yeah. Bullshit. Right. She just told him that she liked him. And then I just got frustrated because he was ripped out of the equation mm -hmm. rather mm -hmm. conveniently. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it would have been more interesting um, if he had not been ripped out of the equation. If he had been, yeah, if he had been kept in it to see what would have happened. Yeah. But I guess I find I do find them that moment genuinely sad. Yeah, what happens to him? Yeah, it, it is sad. That's <laughs> that felt like um, a litmus test for like is Steph a sociopath <laughs> or not? <laughs> Tell me though, was it sad? <laughs> it was. It was sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So those are my highlights for highs and lows. But I'm sure more will come mm -hmm. up. I found his transformation too at the end. Or at, in the middle of the third book, a little strange. Like, it, mm. it, to me, it felt like an event that would have taken place at the end of a book. Um, David, yes. Is, is, okay, David has David, a finger. Yes. Also, David is useless. Yes. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Not you, Sydney. The character, yeah. obviously. <laughs> I wrote that down in all caps somewhere. Sidebar. When me. Alina nominates David <laughs> to lead an army along with Zoya and Genya at the end of... I was I like, know. don't. What? What are you doing? Of all the decisions she's made, that one may be the worst. And yep, a, yep, of all yeah. the decisions she's made, she's really not made that many. That might be the one decision besides <laughs> to kill Mal that she's made. <laughs> so yep. she's, she's killed right, Mal right. and she's nominated David... Yep. triumvirate to lead the second army. Anyways, David's yep. finger. Yep. Yes, David's yes. finger. So David's finger is that, Sam, you are correct, that the scene of Nikolai's transformation and Bagra's sacrifice is better suited as the end. Well, I actually don't mind it here in the middle of the book, but it was, she wanted it to be the end of the second book. Why couldn't oh, it just have she been the end of this? Like, why couldn't we have the, the chapel because, and have Bagra yeah. sacrifice and Nikolai transformation and, like, skipped all that other stuff in the third book? 
Because I think she didn't want to skip it. So she explains in the... We also didn't here, need the just... White Cathedral at all. No, we really didn't. We definitely... I was fun, It was so funny when I was um, reading... When I was reading the beginning, I was like, okay, like, you know, I... I enjoy actually the, I think the pacing of the first half is pretty decent. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but the scene when they're climbing out of the tunnel and then it feels like a bomb's going off and the tunnel implodes, nothing comes of that. Nothing happens with that. Yeah. I was like, if I were adapting this, you know, for the third season of Netflix, I'd be like, cut. Like, I also, yeah. enjoyed, I enjoyed reading the, the book as a whole. I enjoyed reading more than I expected I was going to. Um, I agree that the pacing at the first half was, was better than the second book as a whole. I found the pacing in the third, in the the second half of the third book to be a little bit like, wait, now we're done finding the firebird. That was really quick. That was like a couple chapters. Like, oh wait, now we've lost our powers completely. And now the book is over. That was really quick. Um, that's so funny because for me, the firebird sequence feels like so drawn out. I'm just like. <laughs> oh my god, this is so boring. Yeah, we're like, walking through the mountains. Uh-oh, thieves. Uh-oh, trees with ash. It's like, yeah, it, it feels like the tunnel again. It's just mm. it's it's just events. I agree. But I agree. I think the difference is though it like in practic like it, for all intents and purposes, you're I agree one hundred percent. However, the firebird right. is supposed to be the linchpin event. Yes. Of the, th- right, the three books, if we're roughly describing them as finding stag, finding sea whip, we yep. talked about the pacing there, and then right. finding firebird. I don't yep. know. I just, yeah. I, Correct. yeah, agree it felt like trekking no. through the woods, like the extended camping trip, right. Harry Potter in the seventh book, what the fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go camping with you in the forest of Dean. Right, right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, but I was a little bit mystified by some of just the, the way that the emotional high points were organized, um, pacing wise. So I think maybe where, where we can bring the two together is that the trekking through the woods bit feels just really drawn out and littered with things that do not actually add anything to the plot. And then we get to the plot point, the firebird, and they're like, Oh my god, the firebird! Oh, that's not it. Let's turn around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Mal. Yeah. Yep. Get our packs and go. So are we th- are then... we three for three on Mal's firebird twist? As in three for three thumbs down? What do you think, Steph? Yeah. Uh, I mean, at least it made a difference. The f- <laughs> that was the... Sorry, that was very sullen. I was glad um, that the character assassination of Mal in the second book just sort of vanished. Yeah, in this yeah, one, that is a plus. That is a plus. It, it, boop, we're just it's done. He sort he went yep. to therapy in between books two and three. One can only hope. And there was no more fight. Highly There's no more it. Fight Club. It was all like intentional Fight Club because now that he's just a soldier again. I, I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I am your blade. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's kind of, it's kind of like <laughs> toddlers. Like, <laughs> toddlers, right? Will like go through that phase when like one day they just kind of like wake up and they've entered their like terrible toddler phase. They're terrible. And twos then parents for the say second that, book. 
Uh, <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, they like enter their terrible twos phase at some point, And then parents say like, one day they just wake up and it just doesn't happen mm. anymore. And so, and that's like book three. Yeah. <laughs> Al just woke up and he's, he's like, good. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> what if we, oh, go ahead. No, no, please. I was just going to say, the twist didn't have to be that. What if the twist was that Mel was actually Moritzova's bastard son or something? Or Moritzova had a son and it ended up being Mel's father or something. I think, I don't know. Just having him be related so that his blood was imbued with Merzost. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how many twists we had in this one. Yeah. And how I kind of became unfazed by them because mm-hmm. of how many. So if we didn't have Mel be the amplifier, but somehow still be integral to the story based on his lineage, yeah, I think that could have been more interesting. I I don't hate that. I perhaps this is just PTSD, which is a strong phrase of PTSD from the last Star Wars trilogy. I know with Palpatine. Ugh. I I know. I was thinking at this uh, book, even when she's like, am I the Darkling's cousin? It's like, okay, we're doing Luke and Leia yeah, and yeah, Palpatine yeah, all yeah, at once. Yeah. I was yeah, really yeah. excited when I saw the seventh one. I'll make yes. this anecdote brief. That they were going to have a protagonist who wasn't special by blood or lineage. A nobody. A nobody. Yep. And that, that mm-hmm. seemed to be, like, we've got... Finn, the random stormtrooper turned good. And that seemed, I thought that seemed to be something that the series was going to work with. And I thought was an interesting way to counter some of the really entrenched mythology of, of four, five, six, and one, two, three. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt a similar, right, saga. exactly. I felt a similar thing here. I think that there mm-hmm. could have been an interesting, like, I like that Alina thought maybe she was the, the special one and then I like that it turned out not to be mm. her I thought that was kind of interesting mm. but I, I think there could have been a way to mm-hmm. develop that to develop that here although then it just makes like the fact that this amplifier happens to be at the place where they grew up just like super serendipitous <laughs> but I don't know yeah that is a theme I thought yeah. um could have been powerful especially in contrast to um, in sort of a uh, sad contrast to what the Darkling says to her when she loses his power, her power, which is that yeah. you're now you're nobody. That, that yeah, you're, you're nothing, nothing now. now. And that, to me, like, having it turn out to be just that they were just kind of nobody w- would have been a nice way to, to counter or add a, another chorus to his sentiment, which is, yeah, you're nothing now that you don't have your power. Because she's yeah. nothing to mm-hmm. him, which is his problem him, all exactly. along. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, wait. So, Sam, it, what, is it that, and I'm not asking this hmm. as, like, a, a leading question. but Lead more away. Just, yeah, cl- I'm making stuff up as I go. Question. <laughs> is it Same. The fact that, yeah, Mal is related by blood to Moritzova, and that's how he has, like, his, well, it's that he, right, he is related by blood to Morotova's right. child, who was resurrected with Merzost. Um, that's what bothers you. I don't know if it, it bothers a strong word, but essentially, yes. Like, I, I thought there could have been a lot of potentially interesting developmental work to be done with the concept or the idea that both Alina and Mal, genealogically speaking, are, are nobodies. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then the, the standard orphan trope, right, is that by the end of the story, the orphans learn that they actually have this illustrative lineage that they now, right, right. you know, both know and are um, appreciated for. So, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, so that's, and that's effectively what bothers mm-hmm. me too. It doesn't bother me that there is, I mean, Bagra's telling the story of what she did mm-hmm. as a child, right? And, you know, and the way she tells it too, or right before she says that she used the cut on her sister. That was super you know, affecting, she says to I Alita, Yeah. Where was she the says, Darklings you know, remember that I was just a girl. Like that. Yeah, that's right. I, that's a big yeah. question mark for me. It's like, wow, this really humanized Bagra in an interesting way. Yep. Where's yeah. the Darklings yeah. version of this, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And Bagra is telling us that she raised the Darkling to believe that he has no equal because of the way that she was mm-hmm. shunned, right? You know, then wanting her child, you know, to know, no, you are special. You know, I nobody ever, you know... Everybody always rejected me, but actually, you know, she overcompensated. She bit. overcompensated, a bit. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and right, so, but a very human, yeah. you know, a very human yeah. fault, a very human yeah. thing to do. So, all of that story I really find fascinating, you know, giving us the history of the characters, giving us that, and then unfolding the history of the myth. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. But what I, re- <laughs> what I really dislike, yeah, is. Mal grabs Alina's wrist, they feel that power, and they just realize, like, oh my god, it's him. And then it's like, <laughs> just like piecing it together because it has to yeah. be true that if Mal's the firebird, then it has to be the case that the daughter survived, she came back to life with Marisost, and that, like, somehow her little eggy eggies, you know, carried this mare's ability <laughs> in them that just, like, kept being passed down. Her eggy you know, eggy generations. Squiddy <laughs> scrambled eggs. Just, like, that's so gross. <laughs> Yum. Oh, oh well. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's very just like, um Yeah. It also doesn't exactly. explain exactly. Darkling and Bagra's powers. It's just, is that they were born... Maybe because their right. father used Merzost that way. Yeah. That's how, what the mom thought. Yeah. But I guess mm-hmm. not having that explained or Alina's power explained, it doesn't bother me as much, I suppose. It's nice to have a little mystery left. Yeah. 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 I, I don't mind that we get something that explains Mal's yeah. tracking, abilities. tracking ability. Yeah. Right? I, you know, because, right, the fact that he yeah, is connected in a superhuman way you know to right like to the earth so when he's talking at the end of the book about like they're in the i guess they're maybe they're back in the like house Mm. that they you know hole up in um and he says you know like normally i would be able to like i would be able to sense the deer outside of the walls you know like all, all these things that he would be able to sense and you know now he can't um or, yeah, that when he blasts at the beginning of the book, when they create the hole in the white cathedral to allow Alina to summon, they put a beetle in a bag and he just tracks the beetle. That's so cool. I think that's, like, so cool. Yeah, that was pretty fun. You know, a little, a little weird, but I think it's so cool. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I like something that explains, you know, that mm. ability about him. It also explains uh, why they always found the thing they needed to find, which is terribly right. convenient. Mm-hmm. Yes. That yeah, I was in yes. your arms when you found the sea whip. I was right. camping with you when you got the stag. So. Right. Well, and so she, the um, Lee Bardugo in the back of the, I just read through the, um, I read through her little oh, nice. Q&A at the back of this book. I'm glad you did. And... So she, so those are meant to be tip-offs to us that Mal is the third amplifier, uh, right? Because the amplifiers want to come together, and so, right, the like they kiss right before they find the be stag. Found. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. They kiss right before the stag. She's in his yep. arms when they find the sea whip. Yep. Great, exactly. I, yep. I don't buy I guess. it. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think is easy for plot. <laughs> so I I want to talk about the end. Um, I yeah. the the two things that really interested me this book were um, number one, Mordsova, and what the heck is going on with his journals? Mm-hmm. It might just be like the weird, yep. dark academic in me where I'm like. <laughs> but, like, I want to see these journals. Like, I want someone, I want right. to know what's in them. I want, like, the House of Leaves version of this where it's, like, crazy scribbles <laughs> and we have to go to various different pages. So, like, okay. Oh God. I, I can understand why that is, like, just, you know, not super important. It's just a me thing. However, the other thing that I was really interested in, which I think is more integral and is related, is how in this book, I, there might be, I don't know, snippets or snatches of this. In other in the other two books, but in this book, I feel like their her power was really developed on the theme of obsession, or the theme of obsession mm-hmm. got really really mm-hmm. developed in this novel. So Moritzova, why uh, Bagra mm. won't train David because she can see he's got that same kind of obsessive quest for knowledge. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Alina calls her desire to use her power as a compulsion at one point. Yeah. in the novel mm-hmm. um and so i i got interested in that um as a way of describing the darklings motivations but also as a way for the novel to justify taking away her powers at the end and having it not be quite mm-hmm. so devastating it's still sad but for me this uh, a compulsion is less devastating when it's eliminated than something that she desires to do and makes a choice about it. Um, so my major qualm, and then I yeah. have no answers, but just to rephrase my major qualm, which I've said before, in which I was attempting to solve when I suggested that we kill him at the end of the second novel, my major mm, qualm mm-hmm. is that the, the first book works for me because of the twist that he is, in fact, an awful manipulator. Um, mm-hmm. And therefore, my, all of my readings of him, sympathetic or not, in books two and three, have to be funneled through through the twist of, of book one. And I just felt mm-hmm. like this, the novel didn't quite know what to do with him that problem that it had established 
in the first book, which is that, like, he's mm. a bad dude. And he cannot be trusted. <laughs> to, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And yet, mm-hmm. at the end, I, I found his death, on the one hand, far more moving than Alina's sacrifice of Mal. And yet, on the other hand, I felt far more conflicted as a reader about how I was feeling about his death than I did about Mal's sacrifice. And I'm not quite Mm -hmm. sure how to justify those, those two things. Um, So I am wondering what in the world the TV series is going to do with (laughs) some of these things. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Death. And I am guessing, so first of all, I am guessing that I am wondering whether they will choose, because they have eliminated, as we've talked about, they eliminated any of the kind of moral quandaries that Alina has in book one, particularly at the end, about using the cut, leaving people to die Mm -hmm. in the fold. They eliminate all of that. I am wondering, you know, and they make her, as we've talked about, morally blameless. I'm wondering whether what they're whether they're still going to have a sort of shift, right, in the way she views her powers and things like that. But instead, it's going to be that, you know, she gets the second, you know, amplifier, and that kind of starts corrupting Mm -hmm. her. So I'm wondering if they're going to do that. And then I am guessing they are really going to have to tone down some of the bad shit that the Darkling does. Um, But how are they going to explain Bagra and Genya? I mean, that's like, you can't get around that. I mean, he... I... Yeah, I don't think they, like, I would, I guess those, I am kind of thinking they might leave in. I think Oh, I think they have to. They the, have to. But yeah, then how are they yeah, going to get us? The, well, the biggest nail in the coffin. There's so, there's so many. Even though it's many. not the one that, there's <laughs> so, so many. many. But like, <laughs> the, when it. she, when, when he destroys Alina's yep. hometown and he yep. hangs yep. Botkin, and, and right, you know, Acu- like on Acuna, on on Acuna, and That's horrible. yeah, like the you know, and he he says, I believe she was the only thing like a mother you ever had. Oh my God! Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. come on. Even I at that point, I'm like, burn this guy at the stake. Um, Bye, bitch. You know, so yeah. I because of Ben Barnes' magnetism and like the way that they present him, I just don't see how. I don't see how they will be able to keep all of that at one hundred percent. Is that a David wavy finger? I, I I don't. I have a hand. It's I a guess. new. It's a new David kind has of a David. Hand. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Also, it's David's teaching Alina how to bend the light. <laughs> oh my God! Just make us invisible. <laughs> You're a genius. Jesus Christ! It's just like and the I like David. I don't. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, well, we're going to talk about that later. Well, then. But he's just, you know, the ideas guy who forgets shit like really important fucking tech books. Back at the lab, and Darkling yeah, uses yeah. it. So, yes, my brain died. We were at the point of not knowing quite how they're going to have Ben Barnes play yeah, a sympathetic okay. villain they, they could, when he, in fact, has yes. murdered sadistically everyone that I mean, Alina if, loves. When he ceased to be... And that's the thing, he, he ceased doesn't. to be sympathetic. And, but, and then all of a sudden he's so sympathetic. If they just, that, that if they just have one. it, so... 
Oh. It did. But if if the showrunners or writers just have the Darkling showing her the vision. I like that you're like. And then saying. Flailing this book about. I got my goddamn gavel here. Ruination. <laughs> Narrative is dead. I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm kidding. If they just have him say, this is what I could do. You know? And she'd be like, oh, no. To like show the gesture of. <laughs> Just like the Shire, like we're blasting it with fire in the movies, but not oh. actually doing it. It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. He'll be like, I could do this. After having her go through the emotional mm-hmm. horror of seeing right. people she loves mm-hmm. be murdered, mm-hmm. then he could be like, yeah, but this is what I could do. And then she'd be like, oh, no, this guy's for real. I feel like that actually is more <laughs> consistent with how he operates anyway, which is like threats and manipulation. Yes. Like, if you don't yes. do what I want exactly. you to do, I will murder all your friends. And in fact, he's already threatened that with Mel in right. book two. Right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And why, why hasn't it occurred to her that he could manipulate what she sees in the visions? I don't know. Okay. Because Great. that would just be yeah. Harry Potter book five. All the YAs is a podcast recorded and produced by Steph, Sydney, and Sam. But we couldn't do what we do without our many collaborators, including Stella Bowman, Pam Locke, Olivia Milroy Evans, and Cecilia Christman. Our theme music was composed by Nate Kuhn. Our cover photo captured by Sean Malik, and our logo designed by Lara Musser. And many thanks to you, our listeners. Contact us at alltheyas at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We love getting your questions, comments, suggestions, and any shit about YA that you think is funny. Thanks for listening.